Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. Seuss, how are you feeling? Great. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for this place. And we ask that you will show us how to do with it uh, what you want to have done in this neighborhood that will actually look to you and not just go down our own road of what we think, but that we will constantly be checking in with you and getting course corrections from you. And we thank you for trusting us with this place, with this neighborhood. And we thank you for our friend, Suze. And we ask God that she will hear you and she will share what you're saying today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Thank you, Brady. Mm. Good morning, friends. Another place that we are always looking for help is with our kiddos. So, Liam is hanging out with us today, which is so awesome. Sierra and Tristan, I think, are upstairs in the office this summer. We have like a kind of a rotating kids church because we're like super short on volunteers. So, I'm looking at you all once a month. Okay, maybe. We'll talk, come talk to me if you, um, have even an inkling of um, feeling like you want to invest in our Basilea kids. Today, we are talking about yielding. We're talking about yielding. And um, I just love how God... Um, we, we, one of our strengths here at Basilea is really dependence on the Holy Spirit. And um, we don't have a ton... We're working on organization. We are always working on organization. We're always working on communication. But I absolutely love when um, we haven't talked about things at all. And then the worship has to do with what I'm going to say, which has to do with um, ministry time. So... Jeremy and I didn't have a conversation at all, but um, I want to I talk uh, a little bit to start us out today about um, double meanings, things that have more than one meaning, um, and you had shared earlier about like our, how our mind needs to be renewed, remind, remind us, so to start us out, I want to do a little exercise. I'm just going to say a word, and then I want you guys to tell me what the meanings are. You ready? Express. Fast. Good. Cool. I heard, I heard them all. I heard them all. Okay. Gross. Cool. Interest. Morning. Cool. Rest. And let's do one more. Um, might. 
Cool. And then, and then the, the word we're going to press into today is yield. Tell me, tell me a couple for yield. Produce. Yield. Crop. Produce. Cool. Jesus. Thanks for playing. You all did good. I was going to bring candy and throw it at you, and then I felt like, oh, that's too much of a junior high pastor thing to do. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for your um, participation. So today we're talking a little bit about double meanings and... Um, we are trekking through Matthew. Guys, we've been in Matthew. It's amazing. Since November of 2014, we have seven chapters left in the book of Matthew. We've been doing Matthew justice, um, just really learning about the kingdom. And so seven chapters left, and today we are in Matthew 21. <clears throat> and I'm going to... Um, pray real quick. So God, we just um, thank you for your word. We thank you for the way it engages our hearts and the way it, um, it does ask us to stop and think and respond and um, to give way and yield to um, what you have for us instead of our own agendas. So come Holy Spirit today and teach us Teach us how to do that. So we're in Matthew 21. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's shaking things up. Um, he's pissing people off. This is kind of a new Jesus. Then we've, not a new Jesus, but the volume is being turned up more and more. And um, he tells another parable. And a parable is kind of a story with a double meaning. It's um, a metaphor. It's a, a technique in teaching. So he's telling another parable. And this one, um, though he's talking about um, something, he um, is, is, is really cutting and to the point. And by the end, the, the teachers that are listening know exactly what he's talking about. So this one is a transparent metaphor for the religious leaders who Jesus is calling out as serving themselves rather than God. Um, and I just put a note in here. It's never us versus them. This parable will challenge us to look at the ways we question and refuse to yield to Christ's authority overall. Is there a buzzing? Is there like a ringing happening right now or is it just in my ear? No? Okay. <clears throat> so Matthew 21, verse 33. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and he put a wall around it and dug a wine press and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. So in the Roman Empire, this is very common. A landowner will have a, build, uh, a vineyard, he'll prepare it, um, and then he'll lease it out. And much of the Roman Empire is um, landowners whose income for their land has allowed them a life of leisure. But this landowner seems a little different because he he equips the vineyard like crazy. He really cares for it. It says he builds a wall around it so nothing can come in. Nobody can steal stuff. No animals can come in. He dug the wine press. He did all the work. He has a watchtower. Um, just really, there's access. He can see everything that's going on. 
This is a really well-equipped uh, vineyard, and it's a, it's a huge investment for him. Uh, and when the harvest time approaches, verse 34, he sent his servants um, to the tenants to collect his fruit. And usually in that time, it's about 25%. So this is the first kind of meaning of yield. We have a produce or to provide a natural agricultural or industrial product. The tenants, verse 35, seized his servant. They beat one, killed the other, and stoned the third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. So these are really strong, strong parallels to what is, is happening right now in Jesus' life. He's telling the people that are about to kill him um, what. He's giving them a really clear picture of what's going on. So God, in this metaphor, in this parable, is the landowner who's lovingly and painstakingly invested in the vineyard. And the vineyard is his people, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. The tenants are Israel's officials or religious leaders. And the servants that are sent by the landowner are the many prophets that God's people have used, abused, rejected, violently sometimes, who have come before Jesus, and the last of those being John the Baptist. And that's really interesting. Um, a little bit later in the text, in a book called Acts, um, Stephen, if you ever, if you ever want to like a, remember a really brief history of God's people in Israel, you need to go to Acts and read chapter 7, where Stephen is sharing a um, really concise story about um, Israel's history. And at the end of that, he, just, he, tells all the, he tells about all the people that have come before. And at the end of that, he's looking at the people that he's on trial. They're about to kill him. Stephen is like sharing about their history for his life, basically. And at the end of this, in Acts seven fifty two, he says... Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? Was there, has anybody sent by God, have you not rejected anybody that's sent by God? A few, a few weeks ago, Bill was talking about how, how hard a prophet's job is, how they stir things up and they say things people don't like to hear. Was there ever a prophet your ancestor did not persecute? They even killed those who protected predicted the coming of the righteous one. So lastly, the son in this story is Jesus, who they're like spinning their wheels about who, how, when they're going to get rid of him, when they're going to kill him. Verse 44. Tim. I love when Tim's in the house. Um, <clears throat> Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to him, have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. It is marvelous in his sight. 
Jesus said to him, have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and is marvelous in his sight. So this is like a second yielding to give way to arguments or demands or pressures. So can you show, Chris, will you bring up the slide of like the old cornerstone? The old, it's like a black and white picture. This is a picture of a cornerstone um, that is structural, like you need that in the building for it to stand up. Um, this is what Jesus is talking about. And they've been building on a structure that is unstable, and that cornerstone is going to get in the place the cornerstone needs to be no matter what is in its way. The foundation, Jesus is going to move to his proper place no matter who stands in his way. I loved him. <laughs> thank you. Just so encouraging. It's like Pammy's back. Well, all right. It's just, thank you. Um. <clears throat> Yeah. The cornerstone, the foundation stole. It's what holds everything up. Jesus is the fulfillment of their face, the Messiah, God in flesh, standing before them, and they miss it. They will reject the very thing that is the foundation of their faith. I also have Hope's cornerstone, which, uh, which is people put cornerstones on buildings all the time. Now they, they're like not foundational at all. But this church was founded I think it actually started before 1934, but uh, it was started in the 20s. This building was built in the 20s, and then 1928, 1928, and then um, that side was built in 1934. I've been around a long time. We're investing in something that's been around for a long time, which is exciting to be here. Verse 43, therefore I tell you the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people who will produce fruit. These people are the ones who believe Jesus is the Messiah, their Savior, and they'll follow him. This is the yield, that another kind of yield. It's, it's similar to the one I just talked about, about giving way to pressure demands. Do you, have a, do you have a yield sign, Chris? Yield right of way. This is the yielding that we do in the car when we don't want to get smashed by another car. We actually have to wait and stop and look and listen before we move and like we have to follow something this is Jesus how do we behave um, we've been we've been answering questions a lot as a community and one of them is how do we behave um, there's been some strategic questions we've been answering and sharing with you about what we've been hearing from God and um, one of them is how do we behave as a community and one of the things we do is we hear God through many ways, and then we do what he says. And that's, that's yielding, but there's this piece of waiting and looking first. Um, in Romans, so uh, let me read 43 again. Therefore I tell you the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people who will produce fruit. Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought you, I'm so sorry, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies that our spirit 
that we are children of God. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If we indeed share in his suffering in order that we may share in his glory. So we're talking about the vineyard. We're talking about a son that comes and is killed. This is Jesus and his life. And um, we know, and if you don't know, let me tell you right now, that Jesus dies and is, is, is rose from the dead, is alive, is risen. <clears throat> and um, this says that um, Paul is writing to a church in Rome. This is after Jesus, like I just said, Jesus has died and, and risen and um, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit has come on the earth. And um, he says that we are heirs with him. We're co-heirs, like brothers and sisters with Jesus. Like in, the inheritance is ours. We're not just laboring in the vineyard. It's ours. We're working it together. And so the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness and self-control. But when he's talking about the fruit, what we produce, um, I'm 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 trekking along here. I have about I have about five minutes left, and then I'm gonna have Allison come up and share um, about some amazing fruit um, that she's producing in her, her life. Um, just give like a little bit more example of of fruit. I'm gonna finish going through the text though. So anyone, verse 44, anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone whom it falls will be crushed. Another translation says, and whoever falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed into powder. Anyone coming against Jesus won't last. The place of the cornerstone is non-negotiable, crushing all attempts at shaky foundation built below the systems that we and they have built, set up, are going to become obsolete because Christ's sacrifice crushes that. Um, I really love the Chronicles of Narnia. Do you guys love that series? Anytime I feel like bummed out, I read the Chronicles of Narnia. I've read it like 10 times super like special in my heart. I feel like a big kid, like, oh, I got to read this again, but it's super good. And um, I just wanted to read a quote from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's, it's Aslan describing um, deeper magic. It means that though the witch knew the deep magic, there was magic deeper still, which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read... There, a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed by a tr in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. It's kind of good, right? Like Christ is our cornerstone. And like his sacrifice is our foundation. And they would have heard this verse, the people he's talking to. Anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone who it falls on will be crushed. And they would, what have, would have come up in their memory is this um, story in Daniel. And I 
I really, I, I, I forgot about this story in Daniel. It's um, when Daniel, Daniel interprets a dream of Nebuchadnezzar's. And basically, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and we don't know if he can't remember the dream or if it's just, like, scared him a lot. Like, he's, like, kind of peeing his pants. Um, so he, he calls all, all his people that tell him, astrologers and prophets and um, people that he think knows magic, and he says, tell me what my dream was about. And they were like, well, you, you have to tell us what your dream is, and then we'll interpret it for you. And he was like, no, just tell me what my dream was about. And um, they, they freaked out, basically. And um, Daniel goes back, and the, the cool piece is he has his friends pray for him, which I think is cool to help get the interpretation and get an understanding. And then God shows him the dream and gives him the interpretation. So will you bring, will you bring that statue up, Chris? So the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has is, um, I'm going to read it to you quickly. This was the dream. Um, Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, and its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly iron and partly baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It, was, it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold were broken into pieces and became like chaff on the fleshing, threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept it away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. That's this rock. That's the cornerstone. That's what Jesus is talking about, who he is. This was the dream, and now I interpret it for the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beast of the field and the birds of the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them. You are the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours, next a third, one of bronze, with a rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things into pieces, so will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw, the feet and toes were partly baked in clay and partly iron. So this will be a divided kingdom it will have some strength of its iron, even as you saw the mixture of clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain and will not remain united. And more than iron mixes with clay, in the times of those kings, the gods of heavens will set up his kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another, an, another people. It will be crushed, all those kingdoms, and bring them to the end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision. And the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, the rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, and the silver into gold pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy.
I, um, I love, I love that God speaks to us in like a lot of different ways. I really love that God speaks to us in dreams. I don't know if you've been around here very long, but we, a lot of people in this community see pictures of things when they pray for you, and, and they'll pray for you, and they see, I see a picture of this, or I see a picture of that, and I think this is what God's saying. And what's super special and one of those things that makes this community special, I don't know if you've felt this at other places, that there's this... <clears throat> Willingness to risk and say what you're seeing, but also this deep ingrained thing of humility where you share something you're hearing and it, 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 it's, not, um, it's not, uh, there's just a posture of like, take this as you will. Like, I think God is saying this, but you hear from God first and you weigh it and measure it and you tell me if it's right. And I just, um, I think it's really interesting after the Holy Spirit has come that the dreams aren't just for the prophets anymore. The dreams, the visions, um, hearing from God is for all of us. Um, and I had a dream when I first started coming to Vasileia of, um, and a few of you actually recently have told me like super intense dreams you've been having. Um, so today we're going to pray for more dreams and more ways for God to speak to us so that we actually know how to yield to him. It's hard to yield when you don't know what you're doing or where you're going. But I had this dream when I first started coming to Basileia, and I, um, I started, in the dream I was throwing up like plastic toys. And then I was throwing up um, plastic bags. And I was throwing up plastic credit cards. And... Um, and I woke up and just really felt like God telling me that like the stuff that was fake inside me has left. Um, and it was just super encouraging for me to feel like, um, like genuine. Um, so I think God speaks to us um, in dreams. And I, I want to pray for more of that for us today. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this up here. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parable, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. So we're going we're gonna to transition to a little bit of ministry time, but Allison is going to come up and share with us. Yeah, clapping is great. Um about her yielding, how she yields. Thanks. Um, hey, guys. Um, so my name is Allison, in case you don't know me. Um, I moved to L.A. about nine months ago to work for a Christian ministry called Inner, like Inner Change. Everyone always hear interchange, but that's not what I say. <laughs> um, might be my Texas accent, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so what we do is we have teams that live in poor and marginalized communities all around the world. Um, and our hope is really to just enter into relationship with people. It's this idea of journeying with um, instead of doing for. Um, and so it's beautiful. I love it. Um, and so I live here in Los Angeles in MacArthur Park, which is a primarily Latino immigrant neighborhood. Um, and I felt very strongly that that was kind of my vineyard, if you were, that God was calling me to. Um, and I just love that in this passage we see that um, God planted the vineyard, uh, right? Like the 
the tenants didn't actually have to do anything. Like, it was already planted. They just had to, like, care for what was there. Um, and that's been so true from, like, my experience of being here in my neighborhood. Um, I've only been, like, I've been living in my building eight months, and just the depth of relationship that I have already, and just, like, people are talking to me about their immigration status. They're talking to me about family members that have died. They're, like, talking about all these, like, really rich and deep things with me that's just, like, so beautiful. And it's so clear to me that, like, that's not normal, right? Like, this random white girl moves into a neighborhood and people are going to, like, tell her their life stories in eight months. Like, no, like, trust takes a long time to build. But it's beautiful because it's, like, oh, God already planted that. Like, he had prepared this space. And, like, as I listen and move, right, I get to see, like, these things grow and see fruit get produced. Um, so it's really beautiful. I think, like, when I moved in, when I first did, it was really just pay attention, right? Like, where are people hanging out? Like, who are the people that live here? What do they care about? Um, and then I just started spending time in those spaces. So there's, a, like, a staircase in my building where all the kids would always be playing. And so I just started, like, making sure that I went down that staircase instead of the other one and would talk to the kids if they were there. And um, pretty soon they were, like, coming over to my house and playing all the time. <laughs> um, and one time there was this girl, Shayla. She was a sixth-grade girl. Um, and she asked me, she was like, okay, are you Christian or are you Catholic? Um, because in, like, Spanish you have, yeah, well, Christian, Catholic, it's a whole thing. So I, of course, launched into an explanation of the Protestant Reformation um, to a sixth-grade girl because that's apparently what I do to illustrate that actually they are the same thing. Um, but it was this, like, beautiful thing because all of a sudden she just started asking all of these questions about God and just, like, we were sitting there talking for like an hour and a half. I was like drawing out pictures of the Holy Spirit and the Trinity and like how that works. Like she just had all of these questions, right? And so at the end of it, I was like, okay, like clearly God's doing something here. Like what is the invitation? And so I asked her, I was like, okay, like do you want to get together sometime and read the Bible? And she was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. I'd like that. And the next time she saw me, it was like three days later, and she was like, why haven't we started reading the Bible yet? Like what are you doing? Like I'm ready. Like when are we going to do that? Like you told me we were. And I was like, uh, okay, sorry, like, we'll do that right now. Like, it's great. It's going to be great. Um, because she is, like, an English language learner, um, what we ended up doing was, here you go, drawing out the stories that we were um, reading so that she could actually help, like, actually know what was going on in the story. Because um, that was, like, way better than reading it. So what I have her do is I have her sit there, and then I tell her the story, and she just has to imagine it. And then she draws the card, and then we talk about, like, any questions she has, and then I ask her three questions. I ask her, what does it say about God? What does it say about people? And if it's true, what does that mean for your life? Um, and it's just been really beautiful because she's, like, totally getting it. And I went on way on vacation, and this just goes away to show, like, it's not us, it's totally God. Um, and I came back, and she had been doing art cards while I was gone. And so I asked her, like, okay, so, like, what did you learn about God? Like, oh, Jesus is a really forgiving guy. Like, he's always forgiving people, and he's healing them, and he's awesome, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, like, he's pretty cool. I agree. Like, what does it say about people? And she was like, well, it means people need to have faith and, like, follow Jesus, and he'll forgive them. And I was like, so what does that mean for you? <laughs> She's like, oh, it means that, like, I have faith, and I want to follow Jesus because he forgives me. And I was like, did you already talk to God about, like, what? Like, what just happened, you know? Like, this crazy thing. And um, she just, like, went on to talk about how God talks to her all the time, and it, like, prompts her to pray at night, and how she feels peace when he comes. And it's just this beautiful thing that has, like, 
multiplied, right? So another little boy in my building, he a little kindergartner, uh, or now he's in first grade, saw that she was drawing art cards. And so he was like, I want to draw one of those. And I was like, okay, like, you know, we have to listen to a story. Like, we usually listen to a story about Jesus. And she was like, he was like, okay, sure. Um, and so I told him a story about Jesus saying, let the little children come to me. And so in that one that Brady's looking at, there's actually his card. He, like, drew Jesus playing with a random kid, like, playing soccer, right? Like, so beautiful. Um, and it's just so cool. And so, like, he actually, his family is completely in church, but, like, really, his mom has incredible discernment spiritually and, like, knows that God exists. And so it's really neat because now, like, you just see this multiplication, right? So there's Shayla, and now there's Alex, who's, like, who has led to me building a relationship with his mom, who, like, is really spiritually aware, like, knows that God is real and knows that he's good and that he listens to her, but completely unchurched, has no context of Jesus, nothing like that, right? Um, and, like, in knowing her now, I'm, like, hearing her immigration story and about her status, and, like, there's a lawyer that she's, like, took her case to, and I think that he's actually, like, not legit, and so, like, we're working out how to deal with that, right, and, like, helping her cope with, like, her fear that she's going to be deported, like, any day, right, and she has a disabled son who's, like, four, you know, like, it's this crazy radical thing that's happened just from, like, one thing, right, like, listening to God and, like, showing up and paying attention and, like, moving as I feel led, right, like, I think a lot of times it's easy to not ask questions or to not, to not open, go into the door that's, like, pretty clearly open. Because it's like, well, maybe not. Like, oh, maybe another time, right? Like, uh, like, maybe I don't actually want to talk to her about immigration because maybe she doesn't trust me, whatever, right? But then you miss, like, what God's doing. Um, and so it's just been so beautiful. And it's just so cool to, like, watch God do things in my building and just to get to show up for it, you know? Like, be present and watch as people's hearts are being transformed and, like, Shalom is being restored of, like, people's right relationship with God, with each other, right? Like, there's in the building and um, right relationship even in society is, like, I have a bunch of people who are supporters and partners who don't necessarily know about what's going on in immigration or care about immigrants, right? And so to be able to speak back to them, like, hey, like, God actually really loves these people and, like, here's what's going on and, like, have their worlds opened and, like, God work on their own heart, right? Like, it's just this crazy thing that happens when you listen, like, to God and to your neighbor, and, like, you pay attention to what God is doing in your context, right? Like, this is true for everyone. Like, this isn't just me. Like, I just happen to be called to a particular vineyard, but we all have our own vineyards, right? And then you just engage as you feel like God is calling you. So it's pretty awesome. Um, I have a clipboard with, like, sign-up sheets. Um, whoops. And so if you would like to know more information or if you would like to be, to get my newsletter, should I press it there? Okay. Um, <laughs> or if you would like to get your newsletter, if you like feel like, hey, actually, you know, I've been thinking about wanting to get involved or something. Like we, I have different ways that you can participate and be a partner. Adrian came once and taught some of my neighbor boys about music producing because they love EDM um, and they like make their own songs. So like it's cool things like that, you know? Like, it's beautiful what happens when we show up and we listen for God. So that's my story. Don't go anywhere. We're going to pray. Um, I just love your laugh. I really love your laugh. Okay. Um, guys, super good example of um, yielding in multiple ways. And um, what's super cool about the 30% and, and we get to like celebrate together is Basileia has 
decided to come alongside Allison for a year with $200 a month, which is exciting. So we're, um, we're like supporting her, which is super exciting. So um, I just want to pray for you and have you pray over us, and then we're going to um, pray for each other. Is that okay? Yeah, that's Guys, stretch out your hand to Allison. God, we just thank you for the power um, of how simple this is. And we just ask, um, yeah, that picture of the stone, the foundation stone in her building just taking over. Just uh, teach us more and more ways to come alongside um, and be good to Allison. And thank you for her heart. We pray you would bless her, give her peace, protect her. Amen. So will Jeremy and Justin come up and play a little music for us? God, um, I'm going to pray over us to be have more and more understanding of how, of our uh, under, our um, identity as co-heirs and co-laborers, and how we yield and produce together, um, and then um, I do I do just want to pray for God to open up more and more ways to speak to us, especially in our dreams. So Holy Spirit, come. We all stand with me. Holy Spirit, come. And if you feel comfortable, you don't have to, but if you feel comfortable, open your hands. God, thank you that um, you didn't just make us new tenants. You made us co-heirs with Christ. We just pray, God, that your kingdom would become more clear in our lives. Your purposes would become more and more clear in our life. Teach us, God, how we're rejecting the cornerstone. Help us move out of the way and follow you. God, and I pray for us when the kingdoms we built are smashed that you would be our comfort and we would find comfort on like the solid rock we stand on. Come Holy Spirit. We're just going to listen to God together for a few minutes. Um, do a little worship. And we're going to um, yeah, pray for each other.